Well, amen, amen. Good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for being here on site on our 1030 worship service. And for those of you who are joining us online, I'm Ricky Ayala, the lead pastor of New Ridge Fellowship, and I welcome all of you. Uh, today, we start a new sermon series that is titled Forgotten God, Reversing the Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a book by Francis Chan, where uh, we are going to do this during the Lenten season. Uh, it's actually going to be uh, seven weeks. Normally, we would do that during the Lenten season. Ash Wednesday is on February 14th, but we're starting a week earlier because uh, it is seven chapters in this book. Now, every group that is uh, meeting, they start chapter one this week. They were all encouraged to start off with a meet and greet so that way they can get to know the participants and the participants will get to know the leaders. Now, throughout this uh, sermon series, the sermon that I'm going to be preaching, for example, will be based on the chapters of the book. Today is the first one, chapter one, and uh, we are going to be going into a, a, a deeper study into understanding the role of the Holy Spirit. Today, I'm going to set off the foundation that I pray will be built on each week as we continue on with this series leading up to the Holy Week. So before I, I begin, let me pause for a word of prayer. Uh, gracious God, we are thankful that, we allow us to, that you allow us to get to this point in our worship service. I pray, Lord, that the words that will be shared, like Paul, uh, Pastor Cole mentioned, that, that the words will be uh, uh, shared out there and that they're received and not only heard, but also applied in their everyday lives, especially as we delve into the responsibilities as well as what you can do through the Holy Spirit in our lives. We ask this in the sweet name of Jesus. Amen. So today's uh, uh, passage or the title of this uh, series is, I've got Jesus, why do I need the Spirit? I've got Jesus, why do I need the Spirit? Many of us will go and uh, when we give our life to Christ, our heart to Christ, you know, we sometimes feel like that is it. But in reality, that is so much more. That's more of the beginning of the relationship that you will have with Christ. And the one that God provides for us to help us along the journey is the precious Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite you to please open up your Bible to the Gospel book of John chapter 14. In fact, today we're going to be, uh, if, if time permits, I want to uh, go into three scripture references. One of them is John 14, the other one is John 16, and Acts chapter 1. So you could start putting in your little markers if you don't have them there already. I'm going to go into that chapter 14 and go to verse 15. Uh, and this is where Jesus is talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. But I, I want you, as you're looking for it, I want to share with you that if you go into the, any Bible app, whether it's in the website or your device, and you search the word spirit, you're going to get more than 500 hits. But make sure that you understand that not every uh, hit that you get is based on the spirit that we're going to be delving into. But we, there, some of them are really uh, focusing on how uh, God utilizes his spirit to his people. For example, and that's both Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament, in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, it talks about the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. Also in the Old Testament, it shares how God, through the Spirit of the Lord, came upon people to do the task that, Jesus, that God wanted them to do. 
And so whether it was Jephthah, whether it was Gideon, there are many examples of how the Holy Spirit rested upon the individual for them to do the task. However, in the Old Testament, the Spirit did not remain with the individual. That was actually after in the New Testament that you also have the word, the Spirit of God, but they not only rested upon them, but remained with them. And that's the Holy Spirit, which we're going to delve into. So if you have found it, please indicate by saying amen. Amen. All right. Uh, Verse uh, 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And this is Jesus speaking, by the way. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another uh, advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Now, I'm going to ask you to please go to uh, verse 25. Drop down to verse 25. Because Jesus continues to share some words to these disciples and the people. It says, all this I have spoken while I'm still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let me pause there for a moment. Here, Jesus is already starting out providing words of comfort to his disciples because Jesus knows that he, what is going to happen to his life. But he's telling them, hey, this is what's going to happen. If you uh, love me and you obey my commands, I'm going to ask my father for the gift. And so that question comes about in this first chapter of this book. I've got Jesus. Why do I need the Spirit? Well, let me share with you a few answers to that question based on the scriptures that we just read. First of all, as a Holy Spirit, it is a gift of God. Here, Jesus is saying, whom the Father will send in my name. Why do we need the Spirit? Because he is an advocate for us. And 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 I love how the Amplified Bible puts it. Amplified Bible gives more identifiers to the Holy Spirit apart from just being an advocate. It talks about the uh, uh, being a comforter, a counselor, an intercessor. It also mentions about the strengthener and a standby and a helper. The Holy Spirit, why do we need him? Is that he will teach you all things that Jesus was mentioning. He will also remind us of what Jesus said to his disciples, which is still true to disciples of today. He also comes to us with peace. Here in the scripture, Jesus is saying, a peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And I liken it to the part when it says another part of the scriptures in, in, the, in the Bible where it says, the peace that passes all understanding. 
And if you're like me, you've probably gone through turmoil and, and different circumstances around your life, but for whatever reason, you've had this peace within the turmoil that you're dealing with. And I pray that it is by the God's peace that has been leading you through the Holy Spirit throughout this, that whole process because the turmoil, the, the circumstances can really break a person down if they don't have the inner peace within them. And that's why we also need the Spirit. Go ahead and go to a few pages to the right in uh, John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse, I'm going to begin on verse 7, because not only was Jesus talking about the promise as a gift of the Holy Spirit, but he also wants to share with you the work of the Holy Spirit. So beginning on verse 7 on chapter 16 of the book of John, it says here, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Let me pause there for a moment. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is trying to provide comforting words to the disciples, knowing what was to come and what he needed to do, that his body was going to be broken, his blood was going to be shed for our sins, he was going to die for us, that he was going to take on sin, the person who knew no sin, and that he died but also rose again. He knew that, and there he's telling his disciples, not only am I telling you you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, which is a gift from God, it is also good for you that I'm going away. Think about this for a moment. We have the privilege of knowing what the story is because we read in scriptures, but at that very moment, put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. Ladies and gentlemen, they left everything. Some left their families, left their professions in order to follow Jesus, and here Jesus is telling them, it is good for you that I go away. Well, one of the, re the uh, reasons is that when Jesus was saying those words, sometimes we don't understand exactly why God puts things in our hearts and our minds, but we need to trust him, right? Even if we don't understand it. The disciples did not completely understand. He says, it is good for you that I leave. And you have to understand that here we are, the, the Jesus is the son of God. But he's also a son of man. And by being a son of man, he was physically in one body, right? That, and by being physically in one body, that means that he's only to be in one location at a time. But here Jesus is saying, it is good for you that I go away because then I'll be able to provide you with that advocate, that comforter, that counselor, that helper, that standby, that intercessor that the Amplified Bible puts it. And so, therefore, go, that, that's what I want to give you. Why? Because it, Jesus knew the importance of that the Spirit, that the gift of God, he was not only just one location, but he'd be able to be at different locations. Can you imagine? Let's say that we are in those times, and Jesus is among us in the physical form, and he'd be able to be here in this church, and then he'll be, uh, say, okay, God bless you, then he'd have to go to another church and, and, and do that. Like, people are going to be following where Jesus is, but now the Holy Spirit is now at any church service that is worshiping him and giving him honor that the Spirit will be there. And so, therefore, it is good, uh, Jesus is telling them, it is good that I am going away. And he knew that the... Uh, Disciples were not going to be uh, understanding of everything. 
Because he says here, let's go to uh, verse, uh, let's, go, let's go to verse, let me see how, seven. Unless I go, all right, so verse eight, verse eight. It says, when he comes, meaning the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world to be the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Let me pause there. The importance of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church that will lead us to understand and be convicted of the sin and righteousness and judgment. You know, it's a shame when the people of God who believe in God, uh, uh, you can't separate the difference or you can't know the difference for those who are unbelievers. It should not be that way. When we give our life to Christ, when we give our hearts and our minds and all that we can to Christ, there should be a change, transforming power that's in our lives that people who are, don't believe in God can at least say, I see something in you. I don't know what it is, but there is something uh, in you that is so different from those who are non-believers. And it's supposed to be that way. Because when we are in Christ, even though we are in the world, another passage says that we are not of the world because we are focusing on what he wants us to do, and that should separate us from the believers and non-believers. But I want to share with you an excerpt from the book. And if you are in the uh, book study... Uh, in in chapter 1. Here, I want to share this with you. Even our church growth can happen without him. Let's be honest. If you combine a charismatic speaker, a talented worship band, and some hip creative events, people will attend your church. Yes, this does not mean that the Holy Spirit of God is actively working and moving in the lives of people who are coming. It simply means that you have created a space that is appealing enough to draw people in for an hour or two on a Sunday. It certainly does not mean that people walk out the doors, move to worship, and in awe of God, people are more likely to describe the quality of the music or the appeal of the sermon than the one who is the reason people gather for church in the first place. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, when, when you come to church, I pray that it's not saying, okay, I, a check mark, I, ma- I made it to church. But know that when you are coming into the church is why you're coming to church, that you're worshiping the one of the reason you're coming to church, and that is the one who gave his life for us, for you and for me, that we may have life, and therefore at least for an hour, hour and a half, and some churches that have two or more hours in worship, it is because they are putting everything else aside and really focusing on the one. And by focusing on the one, then we are able to be moved into worship as a scripture of the, the book is saying, but also that we are able to be in awe of God. And by doing that, ladies and gentlemen, it's not just on Sunday mornings, but every day that God gives you. Let's go to verse 12. Verse 12 says this, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear, now, that you can now bear. Jesus 
as a reminder, is trying to provide comforting words to his disciples. Knowing that his time here on earth is coming to an end in the very near future, but is also telling them about not only the promise of the Holy Spirit, but the works of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure that Jesus wanted to tell them more, but it was too much for them. You see, Jesus knew the disciples. Jesus knows us, and it's important that Jesus also wanted them to take it in stride, in steps, instead of all at once. And if we are true to ourselves, we know that we can't take everything in all at once to fully understand. Verse 13 through 15 says this, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Well, in these verses, ladies and gentlemen, it also provides answers to the question, if I've got Jesus, then why do we need the Spirit? Here it says the Spirit is to guide you in all the truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. Ladies and gentlemen, that, that's so important that we, when we come before God, that we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us and to at least when the moment of silence that he's also intercessing with us, right, for, for us, and that he is able to just provide his presence to know our uh, uh, spirit and also God's spirit that it, it connects and to understand even in the midst of everything that happens that at least we can provide that peace and the presence of God. Turn over to the book of Acts. This is the last passage before we set ourselves and our hearts and minds to receive communion today. But Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and then we'll drop down to 8. On one occasion, this is after the resurrection, by the way. On one occasion, when he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is Jesus speaking. He says to the disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about, and we already discussed that in the prior in the book of John. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And drop down to verse 8 for me. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon, uh, upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I've got Jesus, why do we need the Spirit? The Scripture is telling us that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, but it is not power for us to elevate ourselves into a different level that all the attention is on us, but the power that we receive to be witnesses to all other areas, witnesses in our homes, in our lives, and in, in, in our communities, and in, in, in the world, that we are witnesses and that's why we need that power. So it's not only about being guided or being led by the Spirit, but receiving power to be, um, be that witness of Jesus, the power that will be able to glorify him and not glorify us. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not about uh, simple enough to know about the Holy Spirit than it is to know him. 
I've shared before, in ministry, we sometimes fall in the trap. When I talk about those who work for the church, you know, in, in, in ministry, whether it's pastoral or an area of ministry, we fall in the trap of working for God that we forget to spend time with God, and there's a difference. And if we know about the Holy Spirit but don't really know him, we are doing a, a disjustice. Just like the, the book on cover, it says, you know, reversing the tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. And I pray as I set the foundation here today that we build upon it in the upcoming weeks, the seven weeks, that we're going to go deeper into understanding the role of the Holy Spirit for God's church, his people. And as we gather our hearts and minds let the Holy Spirit also remind us the words that Jesus shared before he gave himself up for you and for me. At this very moment, I'm going to lead into a time of uh, consecrating the elements of communion, where I'm going to ask for the usher, not the usher, excuse me, but the communion service to go uh, in the back and be uh, ready when I call you forward. By the way, uh, we're doing the method of intinction. That means that when you come forward, one of the communion servers will be able to provide a piece of bread for you. When you do come forward, I'm going to advise you, you just don't take it, but that you're receiving it, that it's given for you. So go ahead and cup your hands, you know, your palms, if you're able to. That way the communion server can place it on your, on your palm of your hands. And then the person next to them will have the, the chalice where it'll be grape juice representing the blood of Christ. So you'll take that piece of bread that you've received and dip it into the cup. And then as you uh, go ahead and eat and head back to your seats, remember what Christ has done for you. But also, not everybody uh, feels comfortable doing that method, but there is a little disposable cup that has a little wafer up top and grape juice on the bottom. If you're in need of them, please raise your hand. Our ushers are ready, nice and high, nice and high, so that way our ushers can give them for you. We have one over there, over here, okay, and back there as well. And as they're doing that, ladies and gentlemen, let me prepare myself to consecrate the elements of communion. For those of you who are receiving those little cups that look like this, just hold on to it. I will make sure to lead you through it at appropriate time. On the night before Jesus gave himself up, gave himself up for you, for me, he had a meal with his disciples where he took the bread, he gave thanks, he then broke it. He told them, take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He then took the cup. He gave thanks and told them, drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Ladies and gentlemen, I love to say that this is not a, uh, uh, our church's table set before. This is Christ's table that is open for all by way of invitation, never pressured for you to come and take communion. But before we come up, we don't just want to rush into communion, but pause for a word of prayer. And in the midst of that prayer, I will be uh, pausing that you, if you want to repent uh, and, and, and confess your sin to Jesus and for him to forgive you, we're going to do that as part of our prayer. So join me in prayer at this time. Loving God, we've heard about your 
spirit. That we have, I can say we evaluate churches, Lord, that we have tragically neglected. Let New Ridge Fellowship not be that kind of church. But on the other side, Lord, be utilized, be moved by the precious Holy Spirit as we call upon him and the the works that we do, that we witness to others the work that you are doing in our lives. But God, as we come in for communion, we're remembering, just like the the word says, that the Holy Spirit will remind us of of your teachings and, and will guide us. And Lord, we're thankful. Your word also says that when we confess our sins, that you will receive it and you will forgive us and cleanse us. So at this very moment, God, I just pray you hear your people now. We thank you, God, for receiving these prayers, these confessions, repenting of our sins, and we're thankful that you continue to uh, remain faithful to your word, that you will forgive us and you will cleanse us to start anew, that our hearts and minds are ready to receive of the bread and the juice today that reminds us of the body broken, the blood that was shed for our sins in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The same Jesus who taught his disciples and continues to teach us today when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen.